When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan and I am joined today by Amanda Yours. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation because you and I were talking and kind of getting pumped and jazzed about the fact that you weren't always a professional speaker, but it seems like that's what you were always supposed to do, but you didn't know it until you came across something recently. Tell me, how did you get to being a professional speaker? Were you always, well, we know you weren't always one, but what what were you doing before you became a professional speaker and how did you find out? this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, funny enough, I have been um, a teacher <laughs> since I was five years old. I, I've always, my grandfather even used to say, you're going to be a teacher. And that wasn't what I saw myself doing. But see, last night I was going through some papers and I found this little piece of paper that said, I will speak and it had a year and it had types of events that I was going to speak at. And I go back and I'm thinking about last year, I spoke multiple times. I won awards. I traveled internationally and I'm looking back going, I made that decision that year after I had written that, but I forgot that I had written that. And I, it, it, I feel like it kind of landed in my lap that that's not really where I was going. But when I say teaching, I've taught in multiple modalities for many, many years. And I was doing group fitness because I didn't want to be confined to a classroom. I had kids at home. And what I learned through that experience was I was telling a story on a microphone in front of a group of people. Yeah. That is a speaker. <laughs> that is what you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. I, to I totally 100% get it. I taught uh, for quite some time. I was a professional speaker starting as far back as 2001. However, in 2000. Six, I believe five or six. Why is it escaping me right now? I think it was, it was either 2005, I think 2005, I started teaching and you're absolutely right. You're researching, you're preparing, you're getting ready to get in front of this classroom and you're delivering 50 minutes. Or when I taught on Tuesday, Thursdays, I taught at 
Amanda, this is crazy. I taught at three institutions <laughs> at one time simultaneously. I taught at a four-year residential campus, a two-year commuter community college, as well as an online proprietary university all at once. Wow. At any <laughs> yes, I was young and well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> at any rate, yeah, uh, another story, another podcast. <laughs> but you're right. Standing there in front of those students every single day, those were presentations. Now, as you think about the presentations that you delivered for your students, what would you say prepared you the most as a teacher to be the award-winning international professional speaker that you are now? One of the the biggest things that, because I, I couldn't figure out, I said, I, I stepped on stage, I won first place, and I've never done this before. And everybody was just in, in awe. And for me, one of the judges had said to me, are you naturally studious? And so I, that, that question has really stuck with me. It is a lot about the preparation, but it's also a lot about how you are able to present yourself and use the space that you have. So when I'm preparing for my group fitness classes, the, the format that I teach is uh, Pilates yoga. Uh, and so I have my mat, that is my space. And when we are presenting on a stage, a lot of times you'll see people that will just they'll stand kind of stationary, which sometimes that is, that's a power move. And that when you're storytelling, that's a power move. I've seen people do it and it's beautiful. Um, but you want to be able to connect with everybody in the room. And just like when you're teaching, you have to be able to connect to the kids that might be struggling a little bit, but you also need to make sure that you are um, talking to the kids that are they always have free time, right? They finish their work early. And so with that, it's how am I able to engage? What is that? What is that thing? And so I'm always looking for inspiration of like a quote or, you know, how do I, how am I using my body in the space? So those are the, the two big things that I spend a lot of time thinking about when I'm getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredibly important. It reminds me of a technique, strategy, tool that I like sharing with people. And I do it myself. There's no tool that I share or no strategy that I recommend that I don't also use myself. And it is the space that you're going to present in. You need to visit it at least an hour and a half, two hours, the earlier, the better before your actual presentation. There's a psychology behind it. Think about the first time you walk into a hotel room. Where's the light switch? Where's the bathroom? Where's the ironing board? Mm -hmm. But then the second time you enter into the hotel room, you're not looking for those things. It's far more familiar. The same thing goes for this concept of visiting the space where you're going to present it. Don't just step into the room, like dipping your toe in the water, right. look through the door and peek around, actually go up there on the stage 
or go wherever it is you're going to speak. Stand and look out at the empty audience. Think about where you're going to move your body. Get very comfortable, very, very familiar with the room. Walk around the room. Mm -hmm. I look, look at the stage from the back of the room, from the center, from the corner, the right corner, the left corner, get really comfortable with that room. So it feels like it's a room in your home. So it mm -hmm. feels like that hotel room that you visited time and time again, and that familiarity that you have builds confidence. So you're yeah. not what, 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 how, 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 how short are the steps? Where's the stage? Where's the microphone? All of that anxiety, all of that foolishness <laughs> is cast to the side because you've already visited the space before. It's like when you go to an airport, a lot of times, you know, people travel and generally you'll go through the same, if you have a layover, right. And after a couple of times, you know where the bathrooms are. You really know how long of a layover that is appropriate. You're like seven hours. I, there's nothing I can do for seven hours at this, you know, but you know, I know where I'm going to eat and I, I don't mind a, a longer layover at this airport because you're familiar with it. And I think because of that, that releases that anxiety, it brings your, your comfort level, um, up and so yeah being able to walk around the room and and go up on the stage and maybe even hold the mic or you know pretend that you're wearing the mic those sorts of things make a huge difference because now you're comfortable and people see whether or not you're comfortable yeah yeah it makes a total total difference and I'm going to revise maybe hold the mic to hold that mic <laughs> <laughs> that bike and ask ask your point of contact is this how the room will be set up when I present because you don't want to go in there and the stage is in one place or the podium is in one place and and so on and the room is set up with tables and chairs or whatever and then you go back the, the next day for your presentation let's say it's a conference you tend to fly in the day before you go back the next day and it's a whole other arrangement and that just throws you completely off so Go as soon as you can, but then go again beforehand and confirm with your contact that the setup with that, that you see now is exactly the setup that you'll have when you present. Now, I have to throw in something really funny. <laughs> We're talking about the six-hour, the seven-hour layover. <laughs> Let me tell you what I did on it. I had a six-hour layover. My son, husband, and I were flying back from Canada, and we had a six or seven-hour, I think it was a six-hour layover in Minneapolis. Let me tell you, Amanda, we rented ourselves a car, exited the airport, drove to St. Paul, found a little playground for our son, cute little restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but it was so good. One of those mom-and-pop type spots. That's what we like to do we don't like doing chains when we travel or at any time when we eat for the most part and had ourselves a good old time made it back no problem returned the rental car got to our gate <laughs> as if it was the most normal thing in the world but we were like what are we going to do for six hours that was just the the option that we had based on our travels or whatever our travel plans that option was you know had us sitting there for six hours so uh, yeah, we, we we'll rent a car and go check out the scene. <laughs> That's so funny. So my, my husband, uh, works at Minneapolis airport. He's air traffic control. And so we go to mall of America all the time and we see people with their suitcases. They come over on their long layovers and just 
Yes. So we did that on the first leg. So <laughs> on our way there, yes, we went to Mall of America. And I now, now that you bring that up, I remember the pictures that we took. They were like these, was it like ginormous Legos or something like that? This was many years ago, maybe about, this is 2024. This was back in maybe 2018. So maybe about, you know, six years ago. At any rate, yes. So we went to the Mall of America. We I think we had maybe a four or five hour layover that time. But then on the return trip, we had a six hour layover. So we're like, we were like, we've done Mall of America. Let's do something else. Um, so, oh yes, we had a good time. Everybody. Well, I'm going <laughs> to throw a plug in there. If there's, if there's anyone that's looking for a venue, if they want to come to Minneapolis, it's right by the airport. It's easy to come into yeah. inside of Mall of America is a beautiful event space. And I don't think enough people know about it. It's called park view and, um, beach body, the fitness yeah. company, they, they come in and, um, a couple times a year we'll come in and they'll hold their big super Saturday there at mall of America before it opens. And so I, I think it's, it's a wonderful place to hold an event. And, um, so yeah, if anybody's listening and they're looking to maybe <laughs> jazz up an event, come to Minneapolis and look me up and I'll, I'll give you a tour around. <laughs> and I'll find the name of that cute little restaurant in St. Paul. <laughs> you can get a rental car in out there. Everybody. Amanda Yours is the owner of Women of Armor. With over a decade of teaching in multiple disciplines, Amanda has helped thousands of women to untangle their mindset traps and armor themselves with greater self-love with her multifaceted framework so they can find the joy in all of life's transitions. Amanda is a two-time award-winning speaker. She's a five-time author and a sought-after leader in her community. Through group workshops, retreats, and speaking engagements, Amanda is creating a positive impact on mental wellness for women. With that, what specifically do you speak on? I mean, we heard that you have an affinity for uh, empowering women and focusing on mental wellness for women. But what specifically do you speak on and what is the transformation you bring about with your audiences? My big message is how to find your, your special part, your light, the, the thing that you have to give. It's truly empowering empowerment for people to hear stories. I share stories from my life and how I've been able to overcome uh, different situations like postpartum. Postpartum depression was a, a huge event in my life that changed the trajectory of my life. And through that experience, I've now been able to go out and educate groups on what to look for. And it's helped the, the audience that's been really interested in that it has been men because they don't know enough about it. And it has been so rewarding to know that even though I went through such a difficult time in my life, that I now have the opportunity to use my skill of speaking to share how to help someone that might be going through that. How to identify that? Not only do I talk about uh, postpartum, but I also talk about the personal development and the importance of it and how we can use that to 
leverage opportunities in our life, how we can connect with other people, and what are some of those skill sets that we need to be consistent, to show up for ourselves, to make an impact. So those are things that are really, really important to me is empowering people, using my stories to help them see that they too can make a difference. Mm. Tell me when you think about the presentations you've delivered over the years, what is one presentation or a moment in a presentation that has just never left you where it just either brings a smile to your face or it just warms the heart or it, I don't know, even puts a knot in your stomach or in your throat in just the right way. What's, is it a topic or a moment where you just, oh my goodness, it just won't escape you. Uh, talking about my, my sister, losing my sister, when I share that story, it always, it always gets me, but it connects with people. The way in which I tell that story, I'm able to control the emotion because I talk about it from a place of healing, not from a place of hurt, but I'm able to draw enough emotion that I do have to hold back. And that is the magic of the pause that invites the pause and it's purposeful. It's intentional. So there was a time that I was talking about her and I was talking about an event that had happened that I blamed myself for. And in that moment, I just, I just had to stop and the whole room, you, you could hear a pin drop. And it was just magical to be able to connect with the room that much that everybody just sat in it with me for just a moment. But it felt, it felt so much longer than that just a moment. But we have to be intentional with those pauses. Cause a lot of times we would just want to tell all these things and we want to um, put out all the information and we don't give people long enough to sit with it, to really digest it, to really absorb what it is that you're wanting to give them. So finding those things that you really want to drive home, that you really want to connect with, that's where that pause needs to happen. I can't remember if it's seven or eight or more, but in one of my books, Real Talk, what other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle, the second edition. I include somewhere, something seven, eight, 10, 12, I don't know, pauses that your presentation needs mm -hmm. for the exact reason you spelled out. And each one has a different purpose. Each one achieves a different effect. Mm -hmm. And it really takes conscious thought because when you're nervous and you're scared about a presentation, you just want to get it out there and you want to get it over with and you want to get, right? <laughs> but that pause ooh, and giving people time to think 
It's electric. Mm. Now, what would you say has been the biggest change in your presentations from think back to the very first one you delivered in the classroom to your most recent presentation? Confidence. A hundred percent. I think for many years, I presented what was given to me. I had to go from a script. This is what I'm supposed to get up there and say. Now I have the confidence that I can read the room and I know that I've done the work to make what I'm going to say impactful for someone in that room. We're not going to reach everybody. There's going to be one or two people in the room that, you know, may just check out and we don't ever want that. But in reality, if what I say drives home the message and it's come from me, it's come from that place of, of confident speaking and I trust what it is that I'm saying, that's much more impact than going off of the script. The script is there to, to kind of give you some boundaries, to kind of give you a, an outline, if you will. But people really connect with you and how you are giving that message. And so that's been, that's been a huge change for me is to trust myself in what I have innately to give. And that I've done the work that it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In a bit, you will have the opportunity to ask me a question. I know you have one for me. For now, I am wanting to know, what do you think people get wrong about being a confident speaker? A lot of times I know people believe they should watch other speakers and try to emulate them, or maybe they should practice in a mirror. And I have some very strong opinions about that. I say, no, don't practice in the mirror. I have very, very, very specific reason for that. I think you're acting when you practice in a mirror. It's nice to see yourself, but I think you're putting on a show. And when you get on the stage, it's going to be a totally different experience. So forget that practice in a mirror jazz. But what do you think people get wrong about being a confident speaker? That they can't, that they can't do it. It's all, it's all mindset. It, it really truly is. When I agreed to do the speaking competition, I, it was just a random uh, encounter. I met someone and I said, Hey, um, oh, you do competitions. That sounds fun. How about let's do that. But see, I didn't know that I had already been building all of the skills that I needed to be successful in that. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we're doing along the way. If that idea is in your mind that I want to, but I don't think I can, then only half of that is is right <laughs> because you absolutely can your story matters 
and only you can tell it the way that you tell it. And it's, it's like, it's like having a gift and you're, you're supposed to give it to someone. It's not meant for you. Like this gift that you're carrying around is not meant for you. It's meant for you to give to someone else. That's your voice. Your voice is your gift. Your experience, your, the day-to-day things that you're doing, that you're learning, somebody is going to be rewarded because you shared, because you, every single person has the opportunity to make an impact with their voice. I'm sure you've heard it. Words matter. Words hurt. Words heal. And even when you are, when you're sharing your story, when you're sharing a presentation, when you're sharing, whatever it is that you're sharing, it is meant to impact someone in that room. So when I go compete or or do these things, that's what I have to remind myself is it's not about the winning. It's not about competing. It's about what I say up there that someone in this room can feel, can be impacted from, learn from. If I do that, then we've all won. And so the confidence piece, if you're not feeling confident about doing it, you just have to try. And I agree with you on the practicing thing. My best speeches have been when I haven't practiced, you know, when oh, I no, 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 hold on, hold not, on. I didn't say don't practice. Well, not practice <laughs> like in the mirror all the time, but like, you know, three to five times, like kind of rehearsing it and going through it. But when I've gotten where I've like every single day over and over and over and like rehearsal though, then I feel like I get up there and I'm going, ah, uh, this doesn't feel right. Like I, I, now I feel like I'm, I need to say something different. And so, yeah, absolutely practice, but not to the point where it's acting for sure, for sure. Um, but I think everyone should give an opportunity to get up there and, and try because your, your voice is there to impact someone else in that room. And that's the connection. That's why we do what we do. Absolutely. Okay, Amanda, what is your question for me? So my question for you is what is your secret of being on stage? Like what, is there like a a thing that you do to prepare yourself um, before giving a presentation, before getting on stage, like a ritual, if you will? What, what is that, that thing that you do to prepare yourself? Well, we just talked about, I have to practice. I don't have a ritual. I don't have a song that I listen to. I don't have any breathing exercises that I do. I don't do any kind of jumping jacks or anything like that. I know a lot of people do all of that. I don't. I just want to be left alone, right? I mean, and and I, oh, it drives me insane when you have the contact wanting to talk to you and go, I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. Um, so I don't have any kind of ritual, but what my must do 
thing, if you will, is I have to practice minimum of three times more if possible. And I'm talking about where I deliver that entire presentation from start to finish full mm -hmm. out as if my audience is right there with me. And uh, that that's just hands down. But um, yeah, maybe the ritual is visiting the stage like I was sharing earlier. Maybe it is me getting up there and looking out at the whole room. I mean, I, I have to do that. I'm envisioning myself now from one of my last keynotes where it was this uh, ginormous room in Boca Raton uh, at uh, a lovely property. And I don't know, the room probably held, I don't know, maybe a thousand plus. And just standing on that stage by myself and seeing, seeing or envisioning the audience out there. So maybe that's my ritual, but all the other stuff, oh, I've got to have a bottle of water chilled to 37 degrees Fahrenheit perfectly. And I've got to, no, nah, I, I don't do all that. I don't need anything. I don't need a lot. I'm not, uh, I'm not a complicated speaker. I'm not, uh, not a prima donna or anything like that. I just need to be left alone. <laughs> I, I've heard that five times is kind of the, the place that three to five, like that's, that's the practice thing. Cause any more than that, and it just, you know, but but can we talk about that for a second? Because I, I I do think that that's that's one of those things, and maybe it just depends on on what it is that you are are delivering. Yeah. But you should always prepare in what you're going to deliver. And you say minimum three times. Do you feel that there's kind of a, a place where it just starts to unravel, um, or? What, what would be your advice on that? When you, what do you mean, does it get to a point where it unravels? Well, and I, maybe I'm coming from the point of storytelling. I, yeah. I think from storytelling is a little bit different than giving, um, you know, a presentation or something like that. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you. I'll tell you this. So my first keynote of 2024, and I've never done one like this before, never my first one of 2024 is probably 80% storytelling. Mm. And I have practiced, or I did practice, everybody, I'm recording this the day before that actual keynote is going to happen. So I'm trying to find the right verb tense here <laughs> for it to make <laughs> sense. <clears throat> at this point, I'll say that. At this point, the presentation isn't about 20, probably about 21 hours from now. I know I have practiced, gone through the presentation all the way through full out. At least probably about five times now. Okay. And it is 80% storytelling. Mm. Now, this is a keynote I've never delivered before. For me, I need to make sure the transitions flow and make sense. Like I said, it's about 80% storytelling. The other 20% is some data, is some facts, is some statistics. 
I need to make sure my transitions make sense. I need to make sure I'm hitting the slides at just the right moment. Sometimes a different phrasing will come to me that I'm like, ah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Even today, I practiced today, a few hours ago, and there was something that I added in this fifth rehearsal that I had not thought of before, and I like it. So will I practice as much when or if I deliver this keynote again? Probably not, Mm -hmm. but I will do the three times through. I'm pretty sure of it. So with the unraveling piece, I don't know. I, th- I think it could start to unravel or get to be tedious if you try to do all three practices in one day. Mm. And I, I think that's that's part of that too, is you know, there, there's one thing to practice and, and know what it is that you're going to say, but I, I have seen where sometimes it's just, if you just practice over and over and over again, that can't be productive, right? That's, that's going to be where you know, then you start kind of, I love the getting new ideas and things like that, but that does go more into the storytelling because that's why we use those scripts. That's why we have, you know, our slides, they keep us on point. Uh, and, and that's helpful when you are doing presentations that have that, that, you know, the timing, you know, the marks that you're able to say, okay, well, I, I have about three minutes that I can add some things in here. And, what do you want the people to walk away with? Well, the three points on the slide for sure, but you also want something that you say to be impactful. Right. That's going to be important. Um, And so, yeah, I think there, there is a difference between a presentation and storytelling. Those, Those are different styles of speeches and sometimes they can be blended together. You know, you're telling a story through whatever it is that you're presenting. Um, but just coming from the heart and sharing something that has happened to you when you're going through and sharing that piece, I think sometimes for myself, over practice, I start to lose some of the some of the story. So I'm glad we were able to talk about that because I, you know, when we're talking about confidence and people really wanting to to do these things. Those are, those are some of the ideas that can happen and you get caught up in it, but you just try, then you figure out what works. You figure out this is my, mine's three to five minutes, or mine is if I practice, you know, too much in one day, that's not going to work for me. And then you're able to schedule out your preparation because like we started with, that's the key point. You, you've got to know how you're managing your space and your time. Really avoiding practice fatigue is incredibly important because I will tell you one day I practiced, I think it was maybe two was today, two days ago. Yes. I think I practiced twice and I was getting ready to do a third time. And I said, no, I'm not doing this. 
right? So I think it's very important to plan appropriately. So at least a week before the presentation, it needs to be done. All slides, all scripts, mm -hmm. all stories, everything. It needs to be done. And I mean, at a minimum, ideally before then. And then as you're practicing, here's what I'm looking for with our practice. I'm also putting myself in the shoes of the audience. Mm -hmm. So as I'm telling a story, I'm thinking to myself, is this getting to be too long-winded? Is this getting to be boring? Are there peaks and valleys in this story? Have I talked too much about myself? Is it time to bring in a stat? Is it time to bring in a connector to the audience? Because it can't just be the me, me, me show. That drives me insane listening to a speaker. <laughs> so I'm listening for all kinds of things. It, voice modulation, pace, tone, pauses, and then audience interest. Would this grab me? Would this keep me? Are there parts of the story that can be edited? They just need the 30,000 foot view. They don't need every single detail down to the second. So I'm editing the stories. I'm thinking about what kind of data makes sense right now. What kind of rhetorical question makes sense right now? Is that phrased just right? Could it be reworked? Is this the right graphic? Could it be a different color? So I am looking at the entire audience experience. So once I finish my script, a minimum of a week, but ideally two weeks before the presentation. And as I'm putting together my slides, that first practice is not the end all and be all. Like that, that is not it. And so that presentation that I'm delivering has been sliced and diced so much because of those five rehearsals and there will be at least one more tomorrow morning before I deliver it. At mm. least without a, I mean, without a doubt. I, I'm not even getting on that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even thinking about trying to own it <laughs> without doing at least that sixth rehearsal. Yeah. And, and I love that, you know, the group that you're talking to, it's a, it's a huge space. It's a lot of people, right? And what about the person that is talking for the first time in a, a sales meeting? And this is their first presentation. And they're like, I haven't had to speak into to a group of people since college. <laughs> and you know, what it what is that when it just lands on your lap and you're expected to just give this presentation um, in a sales meeting? What tips would you have for the, for that person? Practice. I, I, I mean, nobody wants to do it. Nobody yeah. understands the power of it. I yeah. cannot stress it enough. Yeah. Practice, get a power outfit, wear something that makes yeah. you feel like you're on top of the world and then find a pal. So those are my three, my three P's and I'll explain find a pal in a second, <laughs> but you can probably figure out what it means. So practice minimum of three times because, yes. oh, and let me tell you this, because I know time is a precious commodity. You have a spouse, you have kids, you have charity obligations, you have, you have a life. So the idea, the keynote I'm delivering is 45 minutes in length. Each practice is maybe about an hour in length. The fact that I've spent five hours, that's aside from the design of it. That's a lot of time. I understand if you don't have a lot of time, nail your first five to 10 minutes and your last five to 10 minutes. Practice those 
full out all the way through a minimum of three times each. I know you've got at least one hour to devote to practice. So pra I cannot stress that enough. That's my hidden superpower. That's my ritual. That's my unique. <laughs> what? It's, it's the answer to all of those questions. Practice, that's one. Two, the power outfit. Find something that you know you look and feel dynamic in. Period, hands down. You know what your body type is. Find someone who is a stylist, who understands body type, clothing, colors, so on and so forth, and make sure you have something dynamic. Can't afford a stylist, a professional stylist. I know you've got a friend in your circle who has an eye for fashion. Ask him or her to support you in figuring that out. Get the power outfit. And then finally, find a pal. Actually, find a few of them. I'm going to recommend that you look, you find some either before your presentation, if it's in person, schmooze and talk with people before as they're coming into the room. That's not my jam. I will do it sometimes, but I'm not crazy about it. But it works for some people. As you're talking to people, getting to know people, now you're making friends. It doesn't feel like it's so scary. Or if you like to do it my style, I don't necessarily like chatting with people before the presentation. I made that very clear early on. I don't like talking to anybody. The <laughs> contact, the audience members, I don't like talking to anybody, right? But during the course of the presentation, find a few friendly faces, your pals, in the audience. Try to find one over on the far left side of the room, one on the far right side of the room, and one in the middle of the room. And as you're talking, you're talking to those three pals, nobody else. Mm. And that builds your confidence. If you're the type of person where, you know, we're human beings, we're, we're social beings. We need that, that feeling of camaraderie. And if you're like me, I just need to know that I've got a few people in the room who are picking up what I'm putting down. So if I've got somebody over here who's nodding at everything I say, I got somebody over here who's smiling at everything I say and somebody over here who's chuckling at every joke I make, these are my three pals. Those are the only ones I'm talking to. And you automatically, when you're making eye contact with those three pals, it automatically gives the impression that you're talking to all of the people around them. Mm -hmm. So those are my, my, my three recommendations for you. I love that. It, and it's, it's making those connections. It's finding, knowing the room finding the people that you can connect with and the confidence piece. So I, I love that we brought it all together. That's awesome. The, the confidence, that's where it's at. And whether it's the outfit that you wear or, you know, there's someone that you're able to kind of connect with in the room that, that gives you that, you know, the wink or the smile, you know, to keep you your energy up the amount of times that you've practiced, like all of these things are going to boost your confidence and help you to just show up. Without a doubt. Amanda, what else do our listeners need to know in order to make sure they always own the microphone? Have, just play with your stories. I That's one of the things that was helpful for me is to just kind of have stories that you practice and they could be about anything, really. One of my uh, coaches does one minute lives on Facebook and we'll just go on and it'll say, give me a word and just create like a little one minute thing on this word. 
being able to kind of just be on the spot is helpful because you don't want to get up there and freeze and you need to be able to pivot if there's something. So it's finding those little opportunities to practice with words, just practice how you are, you know, using your hands, using your body and just being mindful of what, what opportunities are presenting themselves that you can leverage in your speaking. People want to connect. People want stories. So if you've got little one minute things, you might be able to pull them out of your pocket every once in a while. Cause if you feel like, Hmm, all right, I need, I need to make them laugh. Well, you got something you could pull out of your pocket quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you threw that out there. Mm, I need to make them laugh. As you are delivering your presentations, you want to have the moments where they laugh, have the moments where they think, have the moments where maybe they kind of go to a sad place, but then have a moment where you're going to take them out of that sad place Mm -hmm. and have a plan. Yes, you're going to take them down this road, but then there is a point in taking them down this road where maybe they are a little sad or a little I don't know disappointed I don't know what the word is right but then you're going to put put them at a peak so there's there's got to be those valleys there's got to be those peaks there's the moments of humor there's the moments of of ups there's the moments of downs and so on and so forth Amanda yours thank you so much for being on the show this has been fantastic thank you I'm so glad we got to connect this is amazing absolutely absolutely thank you thank you thank you and thank you to the listeners this is bridget mcgowan until next time make sure you always own the microphone